We believe that you are strong by design, and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Welcome to the Strong by Design podcast. I am your host, Mike Westerdahl. Today, we've got a friend of mine. His name is Todd Lamb. He's the CEO of Pure Life Organics, an eight-figure business. He's former military, former police, served 20 years with the police department. He's been part of the tactical unit and the SWAT team. He's also a member of mine um, in the 100M mastermind that we're also in together. So thanks a lot for being here today, Todd. Hey, Mikey, thank you so much for taking the time to have me on your show. I appreciate it. Yeah, anything I left out in that bio, did that wrap everything up in like five seconds to summarize you as a person? <laughs> ah, I think so. <laughs> anything nice. longer is just pretentious, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm, when did we meet? I'm trying to remember. We've been at Joel's conference at the email thing, but I know we've met yeah. before that. I would say like around 2013, 2014 at Vince's. Okay. Um, maybe one of because you were in his you were in his mastermind group, right? And I was in his one that was in like 2008. I was yeah. more of a meathead one, and you were one of the <laughs> the, the one after that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then you guys yeah. formed something up there. Were you part of that Baconators group? Well, Baconators, um, yeah, it was all the Canadians who would kind of been coming up into the direct response fitness. Uh, and health space. Um, so we all got connected and, and had a couple of events, but uh, it's hard to get everybody together, no matter, you know, especially across the country. Especially nowadays, where, where are you hailing from? What part of Canada are you in? I am on the West Coast out in Victoria. Um, so just, just across the water uh, from Vancouver. A little less uh, strict on that side? On the contrary, my friend. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, okay. One would think, but um, man, we're just in in um, kind of third wave protocols here, um, sort of open, but mostly not open. And um, we're starting to see this third wave fade a little bit, but um, it's been a grind. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I could, could hear that. And you um, were telling me you've got this office set up right down the street from your house, which is awesome. Yes. So you've got a place you can go to and meet with the team. How Very big fortunate. Yeah. Is your team mostly virtual or, or do you have a lot of local guys? Mostly virtual on, on more of the service provider end, but at the executive level, all local. So um, our COO and myself are here. And then, you know, Adam, uh, or Jack Steer, who is in Quebec, he he obviously is um, is more remote. But then, um, you know, my daughter, who's our senior project manager, and then um, sometimes if I can get my wife to do some of the nasty tasks around personnel, she'll look after HR for us. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, before we dive into what you're doing now, let us give us a little background on, on how you got started. Like what oh. drew you to get out of the police career? That seemed like you had a pretty good career going there. You had the pension yeah. lined up, everything. Did you finish your time or was enough enough? And I've heard this yeah. story personally a little bit, but I'd love to just share it with the listeners. Yeah, it was, um, you know, an interesting transition. Most people out of, uh, you know, that come out of policing tend to 
retire into some other related uh, type of um, you know service or or security industry or something of that nature, investigative in nature. But early on in policing, uh, around two thousand eight, um, I I kind of got the bug for business. I mean, I'd always had it. I, I was you know always entrepreneurial. I was always you know thinking of inventions, thinking of ways to to sort of improve on the world with these crazy products and crazy ideas and um, just always felt really passionate about that kind of uh, frame of mind but I was a dad early on and uh, I felt compelled uh, to make sure that um, you know my daughter was looked after and so that drew me towards public service because you know military service you you know you're you're building a pension, police service, you're building a pension, and, and it's a predictable stream of income. Um, and so as I continued on policing, and it wasn't for a lack of love of the job, I catch bad guys all, all day long, I just continuously felt this deep sense of pull towards business. And I, I'd always wanted to run a business, I'd always wanted to learn about it and, and really create something. And so, you know, what changed my ability to do that was, was the internet and, um, you know, being interested in health and the impact that it could have uh, on people's lives. And I, I was seeing it in policing, certainly uh, in the, in the tactical or SWAT community, you know, my, my life as a canine officer as well. Um, I always needed to maintain a high level of fitness. And then when MMA sort of hit the, hit the scene and, and these guys coming out into the cage looking absolutely like, you know, warriors from, from days gone by. I thought, you know what, the, everybody's going to want to look like these guys. And so that was kind of the first idea I had around building programs, you know, that could produce this kind of body composition and, and elite athlete. And I was working with guys that were graduate degree and PhD level doing programming but of course, I didn't know how to sell. And as I continued to investigate the, the selling process, that's what took me um, towards Craig's stuff and getting introduced to Craig and to Vince. And, um, you know, still sort of learning. I, I didn't have the opportunity, uh, or I should say I did have the opportunity, but didn't take it to get involved in these uh, in-person masterminds um, as a younger police officer, um, $5,000 at the time seemed like I just couldn't even fathom, you know, coming up with that. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I was in the, I was in the same boat even a few years before it sounds like you made it, but yeah. you had a full-time job going and children to provide for a spouse. That's also got to be supportive on board with kind of your dreams. That's another oh. consideration to take into and And then you're saying like the job was predictable and stable. Do you still look at it the same way today? Would you say going to work for someone else is um, like safer or more predictable than what you're doing now? Well, certainly the, the private sector versus public sector, anytime you're, you're going to work for somebody else in, in some sense, unless you're, you're kind of anchored in a partnership or have, have some kind of um, stake in the game, you're building somebody else's dream. And so there's always a risk around, around uh, that outcome in, in the private sector where the business is small or it's an entrepreneurial team. Um, 
you know, the public sector still very predictable. They, they still have difficulty recruiting people. Um, it's, it's predictable and you can make a decent wage. As I, as I've mentioned before, I was making six figures a year. Uh, I had a, I would have walked away with over $2 million in pension that would have paid me out for the rest of my life, probably to the tune of- Did you have to wind up walking away from that when you decided to go with the- I did. So a portion, not all of it, but but certainly a portion of it. Um, and then uh, what I could keep, I was required by law to just tuck away um, into uh, what's called a lira or a locked in retirement account. And so, um, you know, I won't, I won't have the benefit of, of 20 years of service. I'll have a portion of it, but um, nothing had I stayed the extra seven years. Now, having said that, <laughs> I, I was very fortunate in uh, aligning myself with the right people, learning from the right people um, so that I could uh, do, I, I, I don't even know what the multiple is on, on what I was making compared to where we, where we've ended up. It just, it just doesn't even seem to be so, happened really quick too. I mean, kind of, well, I, it always looks like an overnight success story, yeah. but you've been at this for like 10 years. Right. And yeah, it didn't totally. start with what you're doing now with pure life organics. No. And you're, you're selling different kinds of supplements and teas that are helping people with their health and wellness. But before yeah. that you were teaching guys how to, how to fight, how to look like they fight different yeah. fitness programs. And I mean that, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it. It seems to be done now, oh, but th- there was some oh. friction, right? At the department, like who are you, who are you to be like making money on the side on the internet talking <laughs> about like tactical <laughs> stuff. Right. And that almost, I felt like that was a, a thing where I remember you talking to me about it and you're like, I got to kind of decide what I want to do here. I either have yeah. to like shut this down and like yeah. focus just on the police. It's like, they weren't kind of allowing both to be happening at once. So yeah. you had to, t- you had to take a leap of faith there. How did all that yeah. go? Like talking with the wife, deciding, you know, and I think you had some online success, but it wasn't at the point where it was better than your job. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was an interesting transition. And, and certainly, I, you know, the same way we see artists make it overnight, none of them have made it overnight. You know what I mean? It's a lifelong kind of body of work that's that suddenly uh, attracted the attention of several eyeballs at once. And, and, and that seems like it's a fast success. You know, I was grinding it out probably around 2006, 2007, trying to, to learn. Um, and when you're in a, in a public sector role, at least here in Canada with a police department, uh, you are required um, by the um, organization uh, to have permission to do anything that is secondary income. And um, so you get a letter and you tell them what you're going to do and they approve it or deny it. And so uh, they, they gave me my letter in 2007 that uh, I had requested permission to sell online fitness programs uh, related to mixed martial arts and um, online uh, mixed martial arts programs. So kind of the, the two, both the skills and then the fitness uh, associated with the skills. No issue. With that, that was back in 2007, I got that letter. Roll all the way up to 2015, where I'd finally started learning and taking risks by going to the events, meeting people, you know, who, I don't care what anybody says, it it isn't until you're in that room that, you know, talking to Mike Westerdahl and Todd Lamb, and we're like, I actually kind of like this guy. 
you know, so right, let's do it. It's different than like Facebook messaging each email. other. Yeah, right. Facebook message. Hey, man, can you send my stuff? It's just, it's just completely different. So we started to get some traction end of 2014, beginning of 2015. Still no issue uh, with the police department. And then uh, about June of 2016, uh, everybody started to grab hold of this program and it was, it was exploding. And so um, I don't know who or why somebody said, Hey, have you seen what Todd's doing? It seems to be all over the internet. And suddenly the police department cared. And because they'd given me permission, they couldn't really come out and say, Hey, we don't like the way that you're selling it. We just think that you you said this was going to be a hobby and you're making all this money and, and we think that is contrary to what you asked to do. And I said, the money never came into it. That wasn't even a discussion. Why would I ask permission to make money? That's what businesses do. Right. And so they, they just said, uh, we want you to shut it down today and then reapply um, to the to the police board, who's the governing body uh, of police departments here in Canada, and um, ask them for permission again. I said, I'm not doing that. I, I've got permission. Here's the letter. We had a bit of a battle. Um, it uh, made its way into the media. You know, they, wow. they were were um, suggesting that I'd never had permission. I just showed them the stuff. All of it was just meant as pressure tactics, which I recognize. I don't. I don't care. The interesting thing about it is what it boiled down to and what it took me a while to see at the time was that was the push I needed to really make it because I wasn't going to do it on my own because six figures a year feels good. And it's nice to just dabble and yeah, maybe, maybe you're making an extra 10 or 30 grand a year and that's your holiday money. Um, but they said, like, honestly, there was no real issue. They just said, we don't want you selling this way. We don't like the way that sales letter sounds, um, which you really can't say. We, we all know what happened the last time a group of guys sat around a table and said, we don't like something, right? <laughs> like it was World War II. But, um, you know, they, they tried to couch it in, in a couple of phrases. And I just, I finally just said to my wife, I said, it, this it, Knowing what I know now about an organization and what they're prepared to do to get their way, this, these aren't my people any longer. It's time for me to uh, believe in, in myself and my own abilities to do the things that, that I said I was going to do. I had the best career. I, I was in patrol for a very short time. I went from patrol to canine. Uh, canine, I started in tactical or, or SWAT uh, in a part-time role. I did a couple years uh, undercover surveillance. From there, I rolled into the team leader position in SWAT where I spent five years, then back to uh, canine as the sergeant there, retired. I had the best career. There was literally nothing else I wanted to do. My kids were looked after in terms of, of their age uh, at that point. Um, so... I just said, this is, this is it. Wow. That was kind of perfect, perfect timing. And it gave you an ultimatum or that push that you yeah. kind of needed to just take that step or that leap of faith. Yeah. And it's like, how did that feel as far as um, burning the ships? There's nothing to go back to now. Like nope. you pretty much resigned. You're not going to start it over in security or something. I mean, you always could, you could ask yourself worst case scenario. It's not like you couldn't get another job. I yeah. mean, 
And then also, I think I've heard you say before, as far as regrets, you've lived life. There's not things that you haven't tried. And I'm the same way. I'd rather try it and it doesn't work out. And I'm like, okay, I I gave it my best versus wondering forever what could have been. That will eat me alive. I would, I've said this, you know, in a, in a thousand different interviews, I will be the last nail go into my pine box and, and I will have slid into it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, there is, I could not imagine going through my life, not having run a business and not at least trying to, to figure it out. And I, I, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still learning the various roles, but, um, to have been a part of creating something that is transforming lives. You know, people could say anything they want about me. I do not give a rat's ass. I know that what we're doing is, is um, transforming lives. And and that was my goal all along, you know? So. um, And even for people that think, think companies are, can be greedy. I mean, first of all, the products and services you're selling are helping people's health. So that's always something to feel good about. And then tell us a little bit about what your company is doing to give back. Yeah. So that was a thing that, that I, I learned, you know, once, once I kind of felt like we stabilized um, from a business standpoint, I really started to look outward and see, you know, well, what else can we impact? And, and that was when I came across, you know, kind of what seems to be to me from, from what I'm reading, one of the most um, realistic or, or, or um, problematic times on the planet is, is around carbon sequestration. They just, we just can't seem to kind of tip the scales, you know, whether you, you, you hug trees or you don't hug trees, I don't care. It just, it seems the science that I read seems to show that to me. And so I wanted to impact the world. And we decided as, as a company that we felt like planting trees was the best way to do that. And I thought, okay, cool. But you know, I want to do something in my lifetime. So then I started to see different ways that this was um, really going to impact the planet in, you know, in what would be the rest of my life. Who knows if I'm here tomorrow, one never knows, but um, we found these companies that are using drones and drone swarms to go out and plant these, you know, whether it's a forest fire, whether it's been deforested through logging, um, they're going in with these drones and the science behind their, their seed pods uh, and doing it about eight to 10 times faster then, then you can plant trees in the traditional sense with really, really high success rates, high germination rates, and they're doing it all over the world. So we sponsor a company, um, Eden Reforestation, just on, a, on a, a less direct basis, but then we're also involved with two companies, Airseed Tech out of Australia and Flash Forest here in Canada and sponsoring projects directly. In fact, we just um, had a project here during Earth Week that planted 100,000 seed pods. So you have an Earth Week. Um, we only have an Earth Day. We have Earth Day, but here, you know, it all, everything gets gets That's expanded awesome. out on, on either side. But I can't. Uh, so the drones are actually planting trees. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I got to see a video of this. I uh, don't. You have it on your website. Links to some of these organizations. Yeah, on, we on the uh, the about page, I think. Yeah, I think we just had. Uh, I'd, I'd send one to you to play that we just had from this planting that took place um, this past week. So, um, but they, you know, they're they're 
custom built, you know, you can, you can outfit drones, but it's like they're shooting paintballs um, into, into the, the ground. And each of these pods contains the nutrients and what's called mycorrhiza, uh, which allows these pods to live until germination for up to eight months. So, um, you know, they kind of go through the, the various stages of life. And where are they shooting them all over the world or certain where, so you guys have a really cool company down in the U S called drone seed. They're pretty heavily focused on California right at the moment because of, um, all the forest fires. Uh, they're based out of, um, I want to say Seattle, uh, not a hundred percent sure it's either Seattle or Oregon, but, um, uh, air seed techs out of Australia. And we sponsored, uh, a direct, uh, plant, um, project out there after the forest fires there. And then, um, flash forest is, is a Canadian company focused mostly on uh, the West coast and central Canada here. That's awesome. And every sale, a percentage of that goes towards these organizations, correct? Yeah, it does. So we, we've planted over a hundred thousand trees and um, we're always looking to, to, you know, double and triple that up through various initiatives, whether it's a promo that we're doing, uh, we'll contribute more and more and more. But, you know, I, I'd love to be able to, to do that full time where the business of creating people's health just allows us, you know, as an organization to just be so prolific in, in um, the reforestation. It's awesome. And you're still paying the hefty taxes up in Canada, plus making money for yourselves, helping people with their health and giving back to the, to the environment. It sounds like a win, win, win for everybody. Hefty taxes is an understatement. <laughs> Our team would like to thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. And if you're enjoying today's show, please share this episode with at least one friend or family member who will benefit from this message. And please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. That's strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. Shifting back to um, starting the business, sure. um, did you know, did you have a plan like you had started probably like I did with figuring yeah. out like some basic tactics and some marketing yeah. and sales and, but as far as running a business, yeah. there's things about running a business. I'm still figuring this out like leadership yeah. and management totally. team. I mean, you've had a SWAT team that you've worked with and, and, K9 team, but what's it like yeah. in the private sector trying to, trying to build a team, figure out taxes and accounting and all the pieces oh. of a business that you kind of take for granted <laughs> when you when you're working for someone else. I didn't know how to pay myself. I I was so freaked out when when I finally um, you know the the time came where it's like, hey, you're not being paid by the organization anymore. You got to pay yourself. I had no idea. Like I literally, I can write a check. I understand the process, but I'm like. <laughs> how do the taxes go to the government who does that thing? You know, it, it was just all, you it's know, pretty, pretty intense time in my life. I, I remember feeling um, a lot of uh, lack of sleep, but um, 
you know, you, you raise an interesting point around leadership. I was fortunate, you know, to, to be in a leadership role and, and I was promoted while I was on the job. But uh, to be honest, everybody on my team was already A players. You know, like they were just like stone cold killers. Like they, they, these guys would walk into that room, didn't matter if they were working or on a day off. They're always looking for work. Something needed to be put away. Something needed to be cleaned. The toilets needed to be cleaned. Guns needed to be cleaned. Didn't matter. It's not that way in the, in the private sector. You, you have to really develop a leadership skill that, that can resonate with your B players, your C players, and then anything beyond that, you, you, you know, uh, hire slow and fire fast kind of thing. But um, all of these different aspects to it are just, man, it's been, it's been drinking through a fire hose for five years, almost six years now. Yeah. And it doesn't stop. No. But, uh, <laughs> I think I told you I was just at a um, mentorship program this last weekend with yeah. a business coach, Randy Davis. His podcast uh, is up a few weeks back called the bootstrap yeah. billionaire. And yeah. um, he had said the two main things to focus on hiring a plus talent and developing your leadership skills. He said, if you take care of those two areas, it will get rid of most of the other problems that you have in business. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think that my role as a leader is to build leaders. And that's what I'm seeing. Like when it, you know, my daughter, for example, who's our project manager, she came in with a technical background, but green, and it's taken really two years, two and a half, three years, I guess she's been with us now. And to, to really develop her skill set around just getting comfortable enough in the space and now to start making decisions and to be, um, you know, leading just her, her, her own role and function to, to start to feel like if somebody else was to come in under her, I could lead them because I know kind of what to do, but, but to, de- to develop her in that capacity and to rely on my COO to be having those conversations, you know, like I, you talk about hiring a plus talent. It took me two years to hire Al who was, you know, a young guy who exited out of a company and he was the CEO there and, you know, he came when we started talking, I started to try and reel him in. It took a very long time. And I said, well, then just come and look at the numbers that this business is capable of doing. And um, that's when he said, okay, yeah, this is something that I'm interested in from, from all of the different moving parts. Um, so he was, he was our biggest A plus hire. And, and then my business partner, you know, Jack, uh, already an A player as far as, um, copywriting goes and and the different components of uh, for sure of a business but but learning how to to navigate your leadership team and you know jack's not going to be somebody that deals with hr at all right it just takes him from his zone of greatness al is is pretty good at it i'm i'm less so because i'm more rigid having developed a lot of my leadership skills around that that military framework that police framework um, you know, communication is something that my wife, who is, you know, she was um, very, um, uh, you know, not, not, I shouldn't say high ranking, but she was, she was as high ranking as you go in the non-commissioned ranks as a police officer as well, but absolutely um, unbelievable at communication. So she teaches me my communication skills and how to, to reframe things with, 
with people in a way that they can receive it. And those are all these things that, you know, you learn along the way that, that, you know, you, you do something for so long, 15, 20 years that it, it just seems like when you come into the private sector, this is how it gets done. It's not that way. Right. I was going to ask you about that, like yeah. military and police kind of personalities that you work with could be a totally yeah. different kind of person. Yeah. Well, you, I didn't run a democracy when I ran the team. Right. It was more, it was the commands, right? It's like, follow, yeah. follow the commands where that might not work just, just as well in the office. Like I command you to, to, to get this copy done by the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> you got to switch to switch to more of a uh, servant leadership kind of, Which like I you love. said, like yeah. leading by, um, by, providing resources that people need, removing obstacles that are getting in their way, holding them accountable and really self-leadership leading by example. And I think both, both you and I had to learn a lot about just kind of our own, our own schedule. Like we're disciplined. And when it came to sports or or police work, it's like, you knew exactly what to do, but it took me a while to figure out how to structure my day. And (laughs) that is so funny, but gosh, it's so productive. And didn't, didn't Craig Ballantyne help you a lot with that as well? So that was where I had to get to, because I had a conversation my, my first week um, that where I'd, started to do this full time. And I talked to Jack, I'm like, I do not know what to do right now with my day. Like it was just so regimented. And I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I wake up, I read, I go for a walk, I come back, I work. I'm like, I, I don't like, I don't even, I was just completely out of, out of my, um, structure. And, yeah. Yeah. All structure, all structure gone. So, uh, I worked with Craig at one of his events. Um, I did his his perfect day, perfect. Um, you end up doing a 30, 60, 90, and one two-year plan, I think it was. But um, I actually liked his his framework a lot. Craig is, um, as you know, very regimented. And, um, you know, his, his tactics and strategies um, proved very successful. That's what actually got me back into a framework, a mindset of, of being productive within um, the goals that I had set and, and how to achieve them. And, and that was when we really started to get a lot more traction uh, in the business. So yeah. Well, focusing on, focusing on um, your top priorities, eating those big frogs, not being busy <laughs> with busy work. I mean, it's so easy to just have a million oh, things yeah. going on. And at the end of the day, you're like, did any of this matter? Oh, I, I, that frustrates me on, on a very high level. When, when I see people being busy for the sake of being busy, they just like to have spreadsheets open and, and uh, a lot of conversation around things that move zero needles. And so, you know, I just try to encourage people to, to be task focused. Um, you know, maybe I would pull my daughter back a little bit <laughs> because she's, she's got too much of me in her. I think she um, keeps me like, here's what I need from you. Boom. You know, and if I don't have it by the end of the day, I still need this from you. Boom. Don't, you know, so it's, 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 I love it, but. um, It's still amazing that you guys can work together and none of the uh, family dynamic gets in the way or anything. Yeah. I don't, you know, that's, that's uh, um, I would consider a gift 
is that I, I don't take things personally and, and I'm very upfront. You either have the skill or you don't and no hard feelings, you know, we'll, we'll find somebody. Yes, it's going to be hard. And, and our conversation sometimes is very frank more so than it would be um, with somebody who is not my family member, but she has learned how to navigate my terseness, I would say. And, and I've learned to um, navigate her, uh, learning process, which was which was hard for me, as you know, this business changes rapidly and requires, you know, there there isn't a time to sit still. There's so much to learn every single day that um, you know it, it, it just changes, um, you know, sometimes month to month. You know, we, we saw that with the pandemic, and then that was business in general. It just right. everything shifted. But um, so, I mean, speaking of sitting still, did you ever have the opposite problem where? so many ideas and wanting to make things perfect where you wound up having paralysis by analysis where just taking too long to implement things without having the speed of business that's needed overthinking things i I think that 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 was something that um i was able to carry over from tactical there is no perfect plan there is no um you know i remember um la swat coming up and uh team leader at the time, Mike Odell, we were, we were doing uh, hostage rescue tactics. And um, he said, you know, if, if your plan has about a 60%, 60% or better, that's your window. You've got to go because you may not get it again. And that's real. People, people are, are, you know, there's lives on the line um, at that time. And so uh, I've, you know, I've put stuff out and people, you know, you'll get that email. Hey, there's a spelling error in your book. I don't care. You know, I'll get it fixed. We'll, we'll do it. Let's just start testing. And so I'm, I'm sometimes probably a little bit too much the other way. I'm like, let's get it out there. Um, this, you know, we, we need information fast. And, and from a, from a marketing standpoint, uh, Brad Howard was one of the guys who said to me, you know, in, in a very, um, interesting bar side chat he put his arm around me he just said i don't care what you do kid you get information fast test fast so i've always held these these little you know that's really that's where the gold nuggets are sometimes too that's that's part of going to these events and you're you might be sitting and listening to the speaker and taking notes and that's all fine and dandy but the real gold is later when oh, some yeah. guys had too many drinks and you still got your notebook going. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so Brad's never had too many drinks, has he? Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, we got that poster hanging behind me. That's our company core values that we fire and hire based on. And one of our company core values is decisiveness, which yeah. is just make fast, massive action. Yeah, it's, it just is... It's game changing. I mean, you, you, you can sit on something. I, I know people who have missed, you know, biz, opportunities to be, I would, I would argue millionaires because they just can't get a program written because, oh, it's ridiculous. you know, and we, we know <clears throat> what's underlying that is fear. Full stop. They, they're scared. And so I remember my first program a long time ago, writing the critical bench program and yeah. wondering to myself, like, what are like, the world record holding powerlifters of the world going to say about my bench press program. <laughs> like who am I, who am I to be putting this out there? Oh and yeah. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny, you know, when, when you're having that thought process. So 
if you're if you're listening and you're out there and you've got something of value it's actually selfish not to like put it out there and help other people that could benefit from it there there are people who are going to align with your message and and who will simply follow a program because they like you the program is it is is it going to work you know to take everybody to eight percent body fat nope does it take one guy there probably but does it help people along the way and does it get people you know thinking about their health in a way that that um you know is beneficial for them absolute mission accomplished in my opinion you know we're not we're not um, creating superhumans every time we put a program out or put a supplement out or we're getting people to think consciously about their health, transform their lives, feel better so that that flows down to the rest of their life so they can go and volunteer at their church, so they can go volunteer at a daycare, so they can go um, out for a walk with their grandkids. That's what what we're in the business of doing, make, making people's lives better, just in teeny tiny increments, you know? Right, just encouraging other people to take some action. But yeah. you got to take action so they can take action. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, I feel like so, so many times it comes down to energy is almost like that foundational piece, where if you've got the structure off and you don't have – you'd think having a schedule that's too strict yeah. is the opposite of what I wanted as an entrepreneur. I wanted freedom. Yeah. But then I've actually found that as I structure myself, I feel more free. I have more energy and it feels better, even though it's not why I got into business. It's not what I thought I wanted. So, yeah, I know. Like it, 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 but the, the joy around building something and, and creating opportunities like, you know, I'll, I've used my daughter as an example a couple of times, but for her to be able to work at home and not, have, you know, I remember her graduating from college and she was highly recruited for one of these agencies that, that does development. And um, she, she was two weeks there and she phoned me crying. She's like, I am not cut out to work in this kind of environment. Like I just, can't do it. And I said, well, come, come work for us. And so the value that I get from creating opportunities for people to work in a way that they want to work and still facilitate their own dreams, their, their, their own growth, man, it's, it's rewarding. All the reward. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. That's so cool. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> you lasted like 20, yeah. 20 years in a career. Oh, I know. I but I love my job. Right, I, right, right. I, I, I catch bad guys all day long. It's, it's the politics of policing uh, or, or any bureaucracy um, that will, will kill you. Like it just, it will. If you, if you get caught up in it, um, they will. <laughs> it's a machine that just is as backwards as they come. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. To help our show reach more listeners just like you, please let us know how we've changed your life by leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. That's strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. The business has grown so much lately. Where have you seen like different kind of sticking points? Like in fitness, 
you know, we can say it's harder to get to a certain body fat percentage. You got into eight figures now. Was that like twice as much work from seven figures or was it just a few? Did you leapfrog over some things when you brought in the COO? What, what were some aha moments on the journey from like seven fig cracking seven to cracking eight? Yeah, I would say the hardest one for me was cracking seven. Um, just, and, and that required, you know, and I, I go back to something that Craig has said many, many, many times, I would just focus on one offer and get that just dialed. And when we sat down and stopped, you know, running around and, doing all the things and just said, okay, well, let's focus on this. We've seen that it has the biggest impact. That's when we went from six to seven and then seven to eight, that happened so fast and I wasn't ready for it. I just about broke our business because, you know, I was trying to just put people in place along the way, you know, as you, make something, then you can pay them something, you know, rather than kind of stacking things on the front end and, and believing that we were going to get there. But I, I, I get it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty significant uh, risk to take and you need capital and, and all of these things. But when, when we went to aid it, it happened so fast. Um, you know, I didn't have the right customer service in place. I didn't have any procedures. I couldn't hire anybody. I, I remember, um, for probably a week straight doing customer service 16 hours a day when, when we were getting thousands of tickets a day because, I don't know, something had broken somewhere. And, you know, it, it, it just, um, I think one, I should have moved quicker once we hit that seven-figure mark to say, okay, you know, where are we at in our growth? Granted, the hockey stick is, is you know, way more uh, in, in the upright trajectory than, than you see over a normal growth pattern. But um, I should have been quicker to find people and, and um, build the infrastructure. Really, yeah. Really make the decision to build a business, not just have, you know, this, this one hit wonder that, um, you know, we, we kind of ride off into the sunset. It just, we didn't have that intention. We knew we wanted to build a business, but we were just kind of, handcuffed along the way it felt like from understanding what what way do you you know get to here build the structure to support here get here and then build that next structure so that each of these structures along the way are are well supported so um, it's interesting but at the same time putting the brakes on when you're doing goods seems like uh counterintuitive as well so it's like building really fast but i remember um that happened to Josh Bizzoni as well with his first supplement yeah. company. It was just way too fast with the growth and they didn't have it set up ready yeah. to handle it. Yeah. It I mean, could almost like implode sometimes. We were, we were fortunate in, in, in around how we structured our first um, big offer was digital. And then, you know, we, we were partnered with um, a company who was supplying the physical product at the time and, you know, but what, what transpired there was, was, you know, we weren't independent. So if they said to us, Hey, we're going to reduce this amount, or we want you to do this, they really control my business. And so, you know, where I thought we'd kind of be this digital company, what the trend was really in, in the space was physical products. And so 
I had to get up to speed really quick on, on what it took to, to grow a physical business, a physical product business. Um, so doing that and spending 16 hours in customer service, you know, it was, it was a lot, but and there's um, ca- cash flow issues, line of credit, fulfillment, yeah. fulfillment, all, all of the things. And I think that's one of the important things that people need to understand is, you know, you need to know your numbers. And I know Joel, uh, harps on this more than, than most. It's, it's, you know, if you, if you know your numbers well enough and you've got some cash flow, you can extend yourself, you know, in, in certain ways while you're testing other products, all of these different things, when you're acquiring new customers, um, you know, you can, you can certainly, um, use time to your advantage and, and these processes, uh, for backend monetization to your advantage, but you have to know your numbers for sure. Yeah, that was definitely a big aha moment. Um, we wound up hiring Ben Teal to help with our lifetime value and knowing the customers. So, I mean, yeah. that was a huge sticking point and that was an expensive piece too. So that was like one of those times you're talking about where I wasn't quite ready for that step, but I knew it was the next step. There's no going any further without that step. You can't make decisions otherwise, right? And and I know a lot of people who, you know, still are like, oh, yeah, we're buying Facebook, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, okay, well, what's your LTV? You know, what's your average order value? Well, we're getting customers. I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, that's like you have an an advertising budget versus you know exactly what your numbers are and you know how much you can spend. Then it's not a matter of a budget. It's a matter of how much uh, cash can you get available. Exactly. If you actually know your numbers, yeah. Joel's done the analogy before. He said, "If I were, if I were to, um, if you were to pay me five dollars, but you knew for a fact in ninety days that you would get ten dollars back, like guaranteed, how many five dollar bills would you give me?" All of and them. it's like every single one you have, and go, yeah. go refinance your house. Like do everything you can and get all the five dollar bills in the world you can get your hands on. Turn them in, yeah. and then you know ninety days later exactly that that's going to come back double. Yeah, and it's all about knowing yeah. your numbers, which is a really. Yeah. I got a whole whole other podcast with Ben Teal talking about that. And for for numbers people, it's fun, but maybe for some of the listeners, all the statistics and. And that, you have to know, know it. It's part of the business to, to force yourself to listen in on a podcast like that. But <laughs> it, it is so worth your time and, and just grab a pen and, and, uh, uh, you know, a cup of tea or coffee or whatever and dig into it because it, it, it really changes the game. Uh, it gives you a level of comfort, which for me was the biggest thing. Um, you know, once I knew, Hey, you know, on this offer, we can pay 90 bucks CPA on this offer. It's only 75, but on this one, it's 130. And we know that in day 27, day 35, day 60, we're back good. Like even for our email drops that we buy, um, I think it took in, in some cases a year to back out, you know, and, and that's okay. We're still backing out. We're still cash positive and, and we celebrate that. Right. But so who does those stats for you? What are you using to figure out? Um, Al runs them all. He, he builds the whole model. We have obviously different software um, in place, but he literally will pull the data, say from ClickBank or from our phone sales or wow. um, any, any third party. And he compiles it using 
pivot tables, which is a new word. He's like an engineer slash tech Absolutely. guy too, then for sure. Well, he was a CEO uh, of a, an oil of a software company in the oil and gas space. And so what his, and he came up, he came up as just, you know, an analyst in that company as a young guy and took that company uh, from where it was at a million or $2 million a year company to, you know, multiple um, seven, eight, nine million dollars in revenue, all on one piece of software. So they would go out and it'd be a hundred thousand dollar sale. But what this software did was monitored oil and gas trades around the world. And so if you were in Dubai and you loaded your oil on a boat, and then by the time it got into the trucks, what was the loss of that? What was the change in the price of oil as it was loaded in Dubai and then got to wherever it's going, you know, all of and, and all of these different pieces of the equation that you needed to calculate in order to tell a story about, you know, what, what the value of that product was. And, and so they sold to Exxon, uh, they sold to all of um, the, the big oil companies. And so to have him That's <laughs> awesome. running my numbers, I can't even tell you uh, the level of comfort it's brought uh, uh, the business because I, I trust it. I know that what I'm looking at is, is real, but the, the value add to a person like that is he can tell you the trends around your business and, and see it, you know, these things that, that the numbers are, are the story that they're telling. And I'm just, you know, for uh, you, you're, I'm, you're more the, the visionary, the guy that yep. creates totally. and, has, and has the vision. Totally. And he's the guy that makes it happen. And, right. Yeah, I can build strategy around the vision as well. Like I, I understand where we need to be, what we need to be learning, the, the, the directions we need to be able to head in order to build a company that is um, either can be acquired or, um, you know, at, at, at least stable in, in, uh, in a space. And so, um, you know, those components coupled with somebody who's got a very – analytical brain but is also creative um you know and then and then to have that third piece with um jack who can who can write and we the marketing uh, side yeah we we leave him alone completely just to write so we can you know i take care of of the ad side and and creating the the different content around whether it's facebook ads or you know as we push out into native with a few of these offers um We'll collaborate a lot on the landing pages and, and strategies there. So, now, do you do that yourself or do you work with some agencies? No, we brought it all in house. Um, we have worked with, we've never worked with an agency for native. We've had direct one on one partnerships. I, I, I am not a fan of the agency model. Um, I, would, I would rather work exclusively with one person and line their pockets. For us, I don't care what you do. Um, you have to be a return on investment. And what we've found with the agency approach is that um, they don't love your stuff as much as you love your stuff. And um, you, you end up just being a number where, you know, the pitch is here's, here's a certain dollar on or a percentage we'll take on your ad spend. I, you, you're not going to take anything on my ad spend. You can take something on our profits, you know, if, if you're profitable, if not, then, you know, I, I don't really want to do business. And so we've, we've been able to make these 
relationships along the way that have been very lucrative for that person who um, has that skill set. And so in order to grow the business, I wanted to bring that, um, that skill set in-house and so that we can, we can have that predictability around those different, um, different pieces of, uh, of traffic and, and acquisition. So it sounds like a couple of your big hires was the COO and then a media buyer? Well, it was yours truly. <laughs> so, hiring yourself. Um, yeah, I, I really felt like as a CEO, it was necessary on some level to have an understanding of the mechanisms and be able to, to say, okay, this is what it means when we're paying this much CPM in Facebook. And this is what it means, you know, uh, when, when the CTR on a landing page in native is at this level. I wanted to have that um, core understanding so that when we do bring in a media buyer, we can actually have that conversation. And I understand that it's being conveyed in a way that's meaningful. So um, I wanted to have the core competency built and then yes, we'll, we'll, we'll hire somebody to. That makes sense. That over. It's like a general contractor. Somebody, somebody might be a better roofer than them, but they've, know how it works <laughs> Dude, I was not the best shot on my team i understand this is this but I, I could build a plan and that that was my strength around um you know tactics back in in the day i didn't you know i, I wasn't the strongest guy on the team i certainly wasn't the fastest uh i was a, i was a good shot but i wasn't the best shot uh i knew what my snipers capabilities were but i wasn't a sniper i don't need to be I just need to have an understanding of their role and function, be able to speak their language and be able to apply them uh, across a larger strategy. I love it. Yeah. What would be your number one tip for somebody in business? Oh, man, there's just so many number one tips. I would say, um, depending on, on the size, let's say, but if you're in the role of CEO, your, 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 your job is to build leaders. If you're just learning um, you know, business as a whole, know your numbers. You know, those are, those are two of the, the, you know, good foundational points from a, from a developmental perspective, I would say. And once all this COVID stuff's over, I'd, yeah. add, I'd add to that, get out there, get to events, yes. get mentors, get coaching for yourself, learn from others yeah. and build relationships. And let me reinforce that because I've done none of this on my own. You know, it's all been, there's a saying that we have, uh, first through the door bleeds the most, <laughs> you know, we've had some guys, I haven't heard uh, that one. Yeah. Guys <laughs> have run, run the, run the course for us, you know, and, and they've been kind enough to say, this is, this is what works. This is what doesn't, you know, you, you don't need to bleed. Um, you know, you, you just follow their example and, and there's so many very kind and helpful people that when you take the time to get out to these events, get to know them, that uh, we'll, we'll provide that information for you. And people did it for us and, and we're happy to help other people as well. I mean, yeah. it's kind of a funny industry like that, that people will actually, there's podcasts like this out there with just free information, teaching people things we've, we've learned. Like you don't even have to pay for this. I know. It's <laughs> you should pay for it because that way you take action because you got some skin in the game. Like, oh, I know. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like at some point, you know, um, if we want to say a tip, stop listening and reading too much and 
get into the implementation side. That is the only place where the true education happens. Theory is all great and you feel good and you get motivated. Get going on it. Do it. Well, that's the missing piece from, you know, the books like Think and Grow Rich. You got to have the emotion mixed mm. with the belief that it's possible. Yeah. And then, but then you need to add the other piece, which is yeah. you can't just sit under an apple tree all day dreaming about it and crying about it and getting all pumped totally. up about it. You still have to do something. So yeah. it's that action piece. Take action. Start moving on it. Yeah. And that's, yeah. The, that's the formula. And really, it's just believing, believing that you can. Some of us, some of us got a little nudge to get started, but the belief is really what separates all these different financial levels. Dude, I I tell people all the time that the only people who don't succeed are those who quit. It it really is that time. I think it was Bedros that that might've told me that, um, you know, a number of years back, he's like, you know, I'm, I am nobody special. I possess nothing that is, you know, extraordinary. I'm, I'm, an average guy all the way around, but I have a belief in, in my ability to succeed. And I, and I won't, I, I will not stop until um, I've hit the level that I want to hit. That's it. I think that's a great spot to end, but tell us where can, uh, where can the listeners connect with you or, or learn more about your companies? Yeah, we're at purelifeorganics.com. You can come and see, um, you know, what we, what we do to give back to the planet there. And then we're on Instagram at purelife.organics. You can see a couple of, uh, of our subject matter experts show up there on a daily basis offering, you know, whether it's yoga, breathing, mobility, uh, all of these different um, practices that are, are beneficial to your health. So it's amazing. If somebody wants to per- connect with you personally, you do uh, yeah, Instagram yeah. or, yeah, it's at follow Todd Lamb. All right. I already follow you. But oh, wow. You, you see my young lady who puts up quotes daily. She's amazing. Nice. I love them. They make me laugh. Great stuff, Todd. Really appreciate your wisdom today. Looking forward to seeing you in person again soon. Hopefully you'll be at the next, uh, the next 100M. Can't wait, and, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate, 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 appreciate the invitation. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Strong by Design. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.